podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there, keep it locked with this Unomics podcast. podcast, 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 podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Dysonomics. I'm joined by a very special guest. Special guest, what is your name or how do you want to be known as? Well, my name is Jusna. Some people might know me as Diamond Lane London, <laughs> but my name is Jusna, Jusna Gadi. That's how I like to be known. I think I'm at that age where I just need to allow the diamond. <laughs> diamond, <laughs> it's been raw though. It's been, it's been a good run. <laughs> yeah, it really has. <laughs> so what do you do in your spare time, um, do you have any business ventures that you would like to share with the people then? Well, I mean, in my spare time, well, I run an organisation called Young Music Boss, mm. um, which is like a resource hub and network building tool for music creatives and entrepreneurs and people that kind of want to understand the other side of music. So we share a lot of resources and we do physical events on like the legal and business affairs side of the game. Um and yeah, so that's that. And then I also have, um, I co-own a seafood business. Um, and yeah, so that pretty much takes up my most of my spare time. Like my life is just one long Monday. <laughs> What's the name of your seafood business so people on the Instagram can go and check it out? Or it's you... called Hot and Juicy Shrimp London. So the N is just the letter N and London is LDN. Hot and juicy shrimp, London. Trust me, people. When you see the food here, yeah, your mouth will start to water. <laughs> I'm, I'm still due to go, actually. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. Anyway, so as you mentioned with um, Young Music Boss, it only makes sense we talk about the music industry. How did you kind of get involved and intrigued into the music industry? Um, well, it's um, just being a music lover. Um, and obviously just, just loving the whole idea of showbiz and, um, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much what it is. But then obviously my academic training is that I have a legal background. So I did an LB and LPC and I specialized in intellectual property. So that kind of, um, fused the two worlds for me. Mm. Um, and that's sort of how Young Music Boss came about because it's really all, all about, you know, that element of the music business. But yeah, so it's just my passion and my academic training sort of coming together. That's what Young Music Boss is. Okay. So with the music industry, it seems to be very, very lucrative. Um, loads of people seem to make money. Some people make less money than they probably should. So Yeah, definitely. So how do how do music labels make money as far as you're aware? How do music labels make money? They they well it, to, in a nutshell, they make money by exploiting sound recordings mm. um, through loads of different means and loads of different methods, especially like obviously in the digital age, there's so many different ways to do that. Um, but music labels probably have a hand in most of the revenue streams that the music industry generates. Mm. So they make money through exploiting music. And sound recordings, really. That's that's the the best way to sum it up because I don't know. It's such a broad question. Do you get what I mean? But that's yeah. the best way to sum it up by exploiting music um sound recordings in different ways. Yeah. So just looking um 
looking previously. So for example, like Sony Music Entertainment, um, American Global Music Group, um, they've got revenues of $7 billion. So when you think about, um, and then I'm looking at Warner Music Group, $4 billion, like it's a billion dollar industry when you're talking about music. And mm-hmm. that is a lot, a lot, a lot of money when you, when you, when you, when you deep how much money or how much money that actually it goes to the actual artist itself. So if we're talking about a typical uh, artist at a label or whatever, um, so when you look at the pie of artist, uh, producer, um, label, like obviously mm-hmm. you don't have to give exact figures, but roughly how does the the pizza the, or the pie look like in terms of who gets the most, who gets a lion's share, is it equal, blah, blah, blah? Um... I mean, again, that's a really good question. It, it really depends on the deal structure. Okay, yeah, it of depends course. On, it depends on, you know, your your bargaining power as an artist in terms of how the deal is structured, in terms of how you get paid, mm. how much money you make from a particular deal. Mm. But it also depends on what extent of your artistry is actually being exploited within that deal. Mm. Do you get what I mean? And yeah. then the, the, the music industry is also segmented into different, because you've got the recorded business, you've got the publishing business, and then you've got the live sector. And then it all kind of like intertwines and do you get what I mean? So yeah. it's a very broad question, but I think it makes it easier. Um, say, for example, talking about streaming, maybe specifically. Okay. So, uh, that's what that's what I wanted to get to really, truly. So streaming. So we got we got Spotify, we've got Apple Music, we've got Tidal, we've got Amazon Music, we've got YouTube, Sound. I'm pretty sure SoundCloud have their own um, pre- mm-hmm. called, um, premium subscription service. Amazon. Yeah, Amazon. All these people. There's a gazillion of them, all roughly about the same price. So when you look at streaming, how how does it work from your from your knowledge in terms of that the share? Um, okay, so let's start from the top yeah. in terms of like, you know, you mentioned like what the, the music industry is worth. Yeah. Um, you know, the music industry is a multi, multi billion dollar industry and it's recording double figure growth every single year, year on year, even in this year of COVID. But yeah. obviously it's massively attributed to streaming. Yeah. So if we imagine that the music business at the moment is worth about, 21 billion dollars um and expected to be worth about 45 like double that about 45 billion dollars you know by by 2026 and then if we imagine that close enough to about 90 percent of that is income will be attributed to streaming you know that there's a lot of money involved but in terms of like who gets paid what and who makes the most whether it's the labels the publishers or the artists that is something that's literally up for contention because it, and it's the biggest point of contention in the industry right now because everything is i mean everybody is trying to sort of state their case in mm. terms of like who deserves to be the highest the highest up in like the value chain and it's that it's that friction between that like, the record labels the publishers and the streaming platform sort of in between um, that causes this massive conversation, but I can tell you that it's probably not necessarily the artist, especially if yeah. you're independent as an artist, that gets the biggest part of that pie. Yeah, arguably, arguably it's, the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the streaming platforms themselves. Yeah, so I always find it quite um, interesting um, the different the fact that from what I've been looking at, the average payout per stream seems to differ 
per um what's it called whatever platform you're on and i know for us people who don't have the level of what's trying to look like exposure and understanding of the music industry like how do how do um the streaming platforms the labels or whoever other musicians work out how many streams makes a sale or how many streams makes an album do you do you have an insight but- go on so like that's that's what I'm saying. That's that's the conversation that is going on at the mm. moment, and that's the that's the big row because who does determine that? Yeah. So I mean, how it's how it's um how it's structured at the moment is like a hundred and hundred and fifty streams might equate to one album sale. And like you said, obviously in terms of like per stream, how much platforms pay out um, is also determined on territory. Is determined and how much and because obviously different territories have different um royalty rates yes so it's dependent on that and in terms of like how much of it actually trickles down to the artist again that is dependent on again territory is dependent on what their royalty splits are with maybe their publisher or their 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 label so again that's 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 like a very very broad question yeah so i was looking online uh some of the research i was doing for the listeners then so this is according to visualcapitalist.com. In terms of how many streams um, it takes to earn to, takes to earn a dollar, um, according to these um, smart folks, I hope they're smart, Tidal's 80, Apple Music is 136, Google Play Music, I even forgot that existed, 147. These are, that, wow, that's still around, 156, Spotify 229, Amazon 249, and the most is Pandora, which I didn't know existed, 752. So mm-hmm. this shows like why there's a lot of contention and nobody really knows because every every different DSP, what digital streaming platform, operates differently. And as you said, what people get and how the pie is divvied up is going to be heavily determined by whatever contract you sign, which I think is, although it does make sense, I think it also leads a lot of scope for expo- exploitation of people who don't have the greatest um greatest knowledge so um in terms of like your experience and what your business does uh, how important it is for a artist or producer or basically the, the people who actually created the music itself not the middleman or the custodians who are helping them get it from the creative to the consumer how important is it for these creatives to have a decent understanding or maybe in their team a decent legal understanding um it's very important in, in in fact, it's the single most important thing because that that's your livelihood. Mm. So you need to understand exactly how you're paid and how your creativity is exploited. So I think that that's the single most most important thing. Um, and I think that especially when it comes to um, publishing rights and understanding how um, digital streaming platforms pay out is the most important thing. But it's a very, very complicated area. Um, not only, I mean, there's basics to understand in terms of like how your um, how your publishing rights are or how the different types of um, royalty income that you can receive, how your publishing rights are split in terms of like when you, when you create a song. Those are like the basics that you can understand and that you should do everything in your power to understand, um, which then obviously gives you a better understanding on, under, on how, you know, you can earn income from streams. Um, but like I said, it's a very complex area because even within that, yeah, we've got all of these um, 
metrics that that show us how much um, individual stream streaming platforms kind of pay out, but all these different streaming platforms have different calculators and ways on how they actually calculate what a stream amounts to. Do you get what I mean? Or pay structures, different pay structures. Do you get what I mean? Like for example, Spotify. I don't know what I'm, I'm digressing from the question a little bit, but for example, Spotify, they pay. So, I mean, if you look at, so I'm looking at a list at the moment in terms of like exactly what is paid per stream. Mm-hmm. For spot, so with Spotify, it's a 0.00437 cents. Yeah, that's in dollars mm. per stream. But that's not actually what Spotify pays out directly per stream to an artist. Mm. This, this, that actual figure is like, it's like a post payout calculation because what, what Spotify have is a pool, a revenue pool. And then a certain percentage of that revenue pool is then distributed as royalty. Okay. So, say for example, if it's a say for example, if Spotify makes like a hundred million, yeah, seventy percent of that will be attributed to making royalty payouts. And then whatever your royalty calculation is, that as an artist, like for example, if you're if you uh, uh, contributed maybe five percent to that pool, then that's the amount of royalties that you get paid out. Okay. Do you get what I mean? So it's not so so the, the that zero point zero zero point four three seven for Spotify specifically. Like I said, they have different structures. Different streaming platforms have different structures, but for Spotify specifically, that zero point zero 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 four three seven is like an is like a post calculation number. This is actually mad complex, you know. Like I listen to you um, explain like the differences. And even just on my own research, seeing how different um, reputable um, news outlets are reporting slightly different things, it just to me says that streaming is very new and people haven't really worked out how to really tackle it yet. And Mm -hmm. that to me is scary because I feel like that means that people are getting finessed. And it's just always going to be the people with the least level of information. And that happens to be the people that are actually driving the business, the talent themselves, which is... Very, very crazy when you think about it. looking at um research and I was looking at um the impact of streaming on on the on the music industry. For example, if you look at UMG, that's Universal Music Group, mm-hmm. their revenues are as you said, you you referenced earlier, double digit growth. The revenues are growing so, so fast since from 2015 upwards with the increase of streaming, and you're seeing it go up and up and up and up to a point where it's growing 40% from 2015 to say to 2017. And mm-hmm. this is heavily attributed to the in, um, to the impact of streaming. And streaming is super scalable compared to like remember back in the days when we had to get like CDs from shops. Like if you wanted an yeah. album, we had to go CD. Some people were burn it. Some were illegally download it. Like me from LimeWire and places there. But that had a lot. That was a, of course a more costly thing because you actually have to produce physical copies. Whereas streaming, like the difference between um, somebody streaming. 10,000 and 100,000 doesn't take much difference in terms of production, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. it's it's extremely beneficial to the labels, but we haven't really quite seen that trickle down into the artists as of yet. Um, from your um, experience and, and, and insight, what's been like the main differences in terms of like maybe the legal side or the money side uh, from streaming to when when it was like more physical copies, like... CDs or cassettes or back in the days. What was it? Was it vinyls back in the days, I think? Yeah. 
I think you touched on that actually because it's it's literally for I mean for for the labels on the distribution side obviously there's less costs involved in terms of like everything that could go wrong in the distribution chain and the money that they would actually have to recoup in order to see a profit from you know shipping out thousands and thousands of CDs where 10% of them might end up damaged etc which also obviously trickles down in terms of benefiting benefiting the artist and how like deals are structured because not all of that distribution doesn't have to be recouped from the artist anymore because obviously we've got digital distribution yeah like it's not like physical copies of cds and vinyls and Mm. cassettes okay um so I think that that's been the key change, the key difference. And for artists, it's, it's, it's obvious. I mean, it's made them more independent. It's made them more empowered. And it allows them to have direct access that is direct to fan. Mm. It, it allows them not to have to rely on labels for distribution um, or exposure. So it's, it's hugely beneficial beneficial for artists. Oh, it's true. Because essentially, um, especially with technology, essentially it helps cut out middleman. Because I remember back in the days, yeah. to really blow, you might, like, let's say in the UK, you probably need to be playing on radio, whether that's Capital, whether that's... Uh, M- what, what was the... What's the one we used to listen to? Choice FM or mm-hmm. One Extra. You might need to be on a young MTV bass or a young Kiss, whatever. Whereas now, so those are a lot of barriers. And then you need to be able to actually produce and distribute the actual hard copies of your album or your single, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, if you're a talented person, and obviously you finish your product in the studio, you've got a master or whatever, you can shoot your own video, you can upload your video to YouTube, which is probably the biggest place where people consume uh, music visual content. It is, yeah. yeah. And you can also upload directly to whatever streaming platform without the middleman which is the label ideally. So do you think it's easier now to make a living as an independent artist than it was before? 100%. It's definitely easier to make a um, living as an artist. And that's not necessarily just down to streaming specifically. Mm. Um, it's down to, you know, the, the, the world, that, the digital era that we live in at the moment. Because that's the biggest thing, the biggest thing, um, I, I guess one of the biggest hurdles for an independent artist back in the day would have been distribution, mm. being able to have that reach and also, you know, being able to have that access, you know. So now the game has just entirely changed. And that's why streaming is kind of like the blessing and the curse of the industry, because it did kind of, it did save the industry. Because if we think about between 2005, 2007, 2000, going up to 2008, when the internet was like the biggest curse to the industry with like downloads mm. when, when you think about like illegal downloads when you think about the fact that all like close enough to 90 close enough to like 97 percent of all downloads were illegal Crazy. so imagine how much the, that cost that cost the industry and how much they struggled to survive through that era and then here comes spotify here comes Spotify, here comes, which essentially threw a lifeline to the industry in terms of streaming. And as you can see now, streaming is the industry's biggest, you know, earner. But it's also a curse. It's a curse because it relinquishes control from the powers that be. And now, like, you know, that's the major labels. And now everyone is kind of like scrambling to, you know, find legislation. I mean, to, to create legislation to regulate the streaming industry. And also to create, to develop new models to adapt to this new era of like digital consumption. So would you see, do you see um, philosophically, um, or maybe in actuality, I don't know, because you have more exposure to this than me, 
do you see the labels and uh, the streaming platforms, so your Apples, your Spotify's, whatever, as competitors or companions or a bit of both? Um, they're not companions. They're like, um, it's like it's like me and Gun and Gunian men. <laughs> yeah. it's like, I know that they're demons. <laughs> I know. Do you get what I mean? But I love a piece of them. <laughs> Joe, I'm just happy it's not it's not, it's not the Nigerians that are called demons. For I us. don't know. I don't know. Well, you guys are just shaitan. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. We know that. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. That's bad for business, babes. That's bad for business. But go on. I'm enjoying this going on slander. Okay, maybe maybe actually that wasn't the, the the best analogy. But I mean, they're not they're. I wouldn't say um, companions and I wouldn't say enemies. I would say that they, there's a lot of friction in mm. terms of figuring out how to coexist. Because like I said, everyone wants a piece of the pie. Mm. But who gets the biggest piece of the pie? That's what's up for contention. Mm. But I mean, at the moment, it's more um, the kind of publishers who are mo most, I would say, most kind of like shortchanged. Okay. Versus like the labels. That doesn't surprise me. So when I was looking at um, so when I was looking at the monthly users of all these platforms, I was surprised because I don't know why. I just assumed that Apple Music will have the most. So Apple Music have sixty million monthly subscribers. Amazon fifty five. I was surprised Amazon was close to Apple Music. Spotify is obviously the leader. Yeah, Spotify. Yeah, Spotify. They have one hundred and thirty million subscribers, two hundred eighty six users. So those probably include the free users, the free people. Them. Um, there's Tencent Music that has. 42.7 million paying customers, but 657 million users. But this is in China. You know, there's like, a, obviously there's a, a massive audience there. YouTube Music has 20 million. Pandora has 6.2. SoundCloud, 175 million users, but they're not paying. These are 7 million and um, Tidal, 3 million. Randomly, what streamer platform do you use, if any? Um, do you know what? I have a freemium subscription to, well, I guess it's not a subscription then, but I use the free Spotify yeah. um, and then more on Apple Music. That's just because I, I'm i more like I listen to albums mm. um, and also I tend to like kind of create my own playlist. Mm. Um, but I do have Spotify. I used to pay for both, but in my little journey of becoming more financial, financially responsible, mm. I, can I cancelled a lot of subscriptions and I was like, it's, it's either one or the other. Mm. So I, use, I do use Spotify and Apple, but I would say I'm more of an Apple Music head. Okay, yeah, that's quite rare. Quite a lot of people I know um, left Apple Music for Spotify. But Spotify, yeah. Spotify's got such a bus interface that so sometimes I think of leaving. But I'm trying out Tidal. Yeah. But but Spotify, well, I did try out Tidal when it first launched. It wasn't mm. for me, but then that's also because they're, they're, I guess their catalogue is not as broad. Mm. Um. So yeah, but I I would I I'm I prefer Apple Music, but Spotify is really good for playlists and playlisting, and, and it's a good tool for artists, and it's a good marketing tool for artists as well. You know, so um, I I understand why it's more popular. Okay, so you mentioned playlists, which is uh, what I wanted to speak about as well, which I forgot. Um, so I've got, I'm not sure about you, but playlisting I can't lie has low key ruins my concentration and ability just to listen to albums. Because before, all I'll listen to is albums. So mm -hmm. what day, oh, I feel like this is a bit juicy today, oh, a bit of future, or a bit of whisk, whatever, or a bit of gigs, I'll listen to a whole album back to front, or sometimes I'll skip the tracks I don't like, whatever. But now, because I'm so used to pl playlists, playlists and have a, a multitude of different artists and tracks on a particular playlist, when mm -hmm. I get to albums, even if I like the album, I sometimes I just don't return. Like, 
I think yeah. so if I listen to this year I've really liked so I really liked Gunner's album I haven't returned to it that much I really liked oh there's another album I've listened to this year NSG's album I haven't returned to it that much like there's so many albums I've listened to I'm like oh this album's actually unreal but I just don't listen to it that mm-hmm. much because of playlists and I've noticed that certain artists I feel like they're trying to they're making more playlist disguises albums so like I'm sure Chris Brown had a had a gazillion track joint like not too long ago Man slapping like 40 tracks on the album. Yeah. Even Drake having like an artist as big as Drake having like 26 tracks. I don't I, yeah. I think it's even the Migos who had like 20 something tracks, but bare them were yeah. 20, 20, like two minutes. So yeah. I'm assuming that's for the streaming because obviously even Nines was trying to touch the 20. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> I couldn't believe it when I saw how many tracks, but I, I actually enjoyed I actually really enjoyed Nice's album. I can't lie, it was really good. Yeah, so same. so he, he, I, I like him on that one still. But um whose album was 20 tracks and I said, Are you taking a piss? I think, no, the last future track. But I swear Chris Brown was like 40-something. Yeah, yeah, Chris Brown was 40. And that's when I was like, nah, darling. Yeah. You're taking the piss. You're taking the piss. Yeah, I, I still to this, I haven't listened to the album. I'm, it's just daunting. 40 tracks, what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, I think it's because just generally how we consume music has changed. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that our, um, our I want to say attention span, for lack of a better word, is like we don't sit on music for as long as we did because we don't have to. There's yeah. so much music being released constantly, all the time, constantly, all the time. Do you get what I mean? Whereas, whereas back in the day, you know, you'd buy your, your one little album that you saved up to buy for like two weeks. You've been saving to buy that one little album and then that's the album that you're playing for a month. Mm. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, facts. Like, Before yeah. like the likes of like LimeWire and stuff like that came about where it was it was legal um, but you know it gave us more access to music and the likes of iTunes it gave us more access to you know like by the click of a button access to music but um, yeah no things have changed man that, that's literally what it is things have changed how we consume music the, the um, attention level that we have for music has changed because just as just as you as you you know, start getting into Nines' album, Heady One's dropping the album, you're like, oh shit, I need to listen to Heady One's album. And just before you've actually actually even attempted to take in Heady One's album, Jay Huss has dropped an album. Mm. And it's not even that, actually, that's a bad example. We, we're in this era of single, 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 Every single. week. And that's, bare that's, singles that's, dropping. that's the world we live in, yeah. Every single, like, every week, because I'm, I'm big into UK rap, I've kind of fallen off the US rap, I ain't got time for or them little, little somebody, somebody's. But like with UK rap, every Thursday, I'm seeing Graham Daily premiere, call, wake up on the Friday, there's hella joints that I want to listen to. And I like all the artists. I'm like, oh my God, there's too much music. I don't even know where to turn. And yeah. I feel like, yeah, I think that's mad. Random. And like streaming, like, being, like we, we don't, like, we will, we're more likely to, well, like I said, the era we live in, we listen to playlists. That's what we we listen to playlists. We slap a playlist on, and we you know stream a playlist that's like a mixture of like different artists, etc. That's why playlisting and being actually playlisted as an artist has become such a marketing, such a big marketing tool now. You know, everyone's trying to get playlisted. Everyone's trying to get playlists playlisted on the hottest playlist out there because they know that it's going to give them that exposure. It's going to have that visibility, and it's going to potentially generate this. Um, streams of course so like yeah. if, you're, if you're on a young who we be that's going to increase your streams so it makes sense for so, oh so do you know okay so with playlists playlisting yeah um mm-hmm. 
So is it like labels that are getting their artists placed on these streams or do Spotify just randomly just, oh, I like I like um, Diamond Stream. Let me slap that on a playlist or how does that work? Yeah, no, it works like that. It's like art, like labels will have certain stakes in, in playlists and they will obviously have certain bargaining power in getting certain artists playlisted. So again, that's that's another playing field that is that is try that people are trying to level at the moment because obviously labels are more in position to be able to exploit these things, you know. So yeah, so so it's it's strategic. It's 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 strategic positioning. That's crazy. That's crazy. so that makes sense. So now when I see like because uh, I always listen to the same playlist all the time. So when I see mm-hmm. the artist is um, no with Spotify, they have a playlist and they'll have an artist in the picture. So it mm-hmm. makes sense. So I don't know, let's say J Huss drops and obviously J Huss will be the picture. So that, okay, that strategic positioning, that makes a lot of sense. What was the first album you ever bought? I don't know. I've been asked this question so many times and I actually don't know. Like I do not remember the first album that I bought, but I want to say that it was it was a single Okay. I want to say it was TLC, no scrubs. What's that TLC? You know, well, I think. The I f- want to say. Oh, t- <laughs> TLC no scrubs. I I think the first. Uh, no, what um, waterfalls? Don't go, Jason. Don't go, Jason. Waterfalls. Uh, what's the first thing I bought? I think it's Justin Timberlake. You know, I think it's a young Justified. I think that's the first thing I ever bought. Really? And, yeah, I loved Justin Timberlake back in the day. And the thing is, I feel like because I, because I vividly, I so vividly remember the the cover, mm. so that's why I say that. But then at the same time, I would have been so young, mm. so maybe it was a gift. Maybe I don't remember which <laughs> was the, the first album, mm. <laughs> or the first album was. Like I literally don't. Okay. Um, okay. But I remember actively saving up to buy like Destiny's Child, to buy Nelly, um, Country Grandma. I remember, yeah. Yeah, but I can't say, I can't, I really can't say I remember the first, first. Earlier before you mentioned that there's different types of deals, you said publishing, you, what else did you say? Publishing, distribution. Uh, so if you can help the listeners then understand the different types of deals that people can get. And when people hear 360, because that's a term that people hear quite a lot, what does, what does, it, what, what does a 360 deal mean or what does it look like? Well, a 360 deal is kind of like what it says in the tin. So that's where a label would seek to exploit every single part of your, every single um, source of income, basically. So from merchandise to touring to, you know, but but now we are at a place where um, it's not as widely accepted. And obviously artists are more empowered, managers are more empowered in terms of entering those kinds of deals, because obviously it can cause restraint, restraint of trade, because that essentially, because that means that you can't strike a deal with someone else for, um, you know, for your, your merchandise. Like if you want to team up with, I don't know, Adidas to, well, you can, but it would have to be within the, the remits of that agreement. And it would also mean that the label would earn from any such income that would come from that. So it's, yeah, that's the only thing, that's the only way I could actually describe it, restraint of trade. And those deals I would suggest to steer away from. But like I said, this, this, this subject is like so, um, so broad. Mm. And um, 
yeah there's so many different it it depends on like i said your bargaining power as an artist because now you also have um deals where it's like joint venture deals where artists are entering into more of a partnership with labels okay um you have you have deals where artists are having just single deals or just like single album deals and again the um how good or how lucrative your your deal is going to be depends on your bargaining power as an artist it always does um and in this era it also depends on your reach these are things that are taken into account in terms of like your metrics your social media reach your your um your influence um on the internet are all taken into account so it's very very broad and deals always look different and very artist to artist obviously you have standard form terms and you have you have certain things that you would expect um but it varies and I mean, on Young Music Post, we have these discussions a lot. Um, so we have a lot of we have a lot of resources in terms of like what artists need to um, look out for, um, what a typical record deal would look like in um, you know 2020 versus what it used to look like. Um, so I would say hit up Young Music Boss, go www.musicboss.com, um, and we have a lot of information relating to that. But I mean, in terms of like what you touched on with um, publishing, because um, I know that we're talking about like streaming specifically and like how artists get paid, how artists earn and the type of deals that would be in place for artists to earn from streaming. Um, Again, that's something that's very broad, but I would just provide context by um, maybe saying like what, the, what the difference is between what a publisher gets from streaming or what a label gets from streaming. Okay. Um, so in terms of, okay, where should I start? I'll start with by saying that there's two different elements that are being exploited, yeah? Mm-hmm. On a record. So you have the master, which is associated to the label rights. Yeah, so the master, the the entire recording, the the final product is the master recording. Yeah, and usually this is what the label owns. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And then you have, like, the composition. So the structure of the song, the underlying work. So, like, the lyrics. Yeah? The lyrics and the composition of the song, which is what the publisher would own or what the, the publisher would seek to exploit for the artist. So... In relation to, um, yeah, streaming specifically, so yeah, they pay out the, the master um, the, the master royalties to the labels and they pay out the master royalties, I mean, the, co- the publishing, ro- the composition royalties, sorry, to the publisher. Yeah? Yeah. So, so and, and the publisher collects on two things, yeah, two different types of royalties, which is another interesting part, but there's, they, they collect on two different types of royalties. So the mechanical royalties and the performance royalties and the mechanical refers to what happens when um, a song is reproduced. Yeah. So in so back in the day, that would be like when when um, when a record is is reproduced. So that, so back in the day, that would be like when it's created to CD. Yeah. Yeah. So when it's reproduced as a CD or as a vinyl. Yeah. So adapted in the world that we're in in 2020, that would be a download. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so that's the that's the mechanical side. So that again belongs to to um the publisher. And then you have the performance. So you have the performance royalty. 
So essentially what, what, what they've now come to, um, well, not, not literally now, as in this month or this year, but what has been agreed in, from a streaming perspective is that a stream should count as a public performance. Which makes sense. Yeah. So a song performed in public. So usually it would be like when you're in a concert or when a song is playing in, um, in I don't know, in a shopping centre mm. or in a pub. H&M and yeah, so that's a public performance. So publishers would would record. I um, mean, publishers would collect royalties on that. So in a in a streaming context, they also collect royalties on that. Yeah. So so the so the 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 performance royalties is usually split between the writer and the publisher. So fifty fifty for the person who wrote it and for the publisher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the uh, mechanical is 100% to the publisher. And then, but then for the label, in terms of like the master recording, so the final product that we see as a song, mm-hmm. yeah, they will get paid the digital performance royalty and the master reco- re- uh, recording revenues. And then, that, and then that trickles down to the artist. But again, that's dependent on what their royalty rate is, what the structure is with the artist between the label in terms of what they earn from that side. And the master results tend to seem as to be quite valuable because of how you could be earning from them years and years into the future right yeah both but but both the 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 master and the master recording and the 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 publishing Mm. because obviously it's if you if you own the lyrics then you that means that you own the copyright and that in the uk you don't have to register your rights to say that i'm the copyright owner you're you're you you um you are the copyright owner by virtue of just creating the work. Okay, that makes sense. You get what I mean? Yeah. And that's and that's forever. So when um so, so a lifetime plus seventy years. Okay. Cause obviously recently we've seen, I think it was no, Mace was uh talking about how he wants his um masters off Diddy due to the fact that um how valuable it is now and he was offering Diddy money. So is there a way or is there advice that I don't know that young music boss gives regarding what you negotiate regarding your masters? Because obviously this seems to be quite a lot of issue. I've seen artists always complain about they don't own their masters or they want to get hold of their masters, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, I mean, um, first of all, from a publish publishing perspective, in terms of like owning what you compose and what you write, like a label should never be anywhere near your publishing. Mm-hmm. Whereas you have, you do have, you do have instances. Well, it, I mean, actually, it's, it has been common um, up to recent years for um, labels to have a stake in, in publishing, but it shouldn't be like that. Mm, yeah. yeah. But in terms of like the master recorders and having the master, obviously, we we know um, we know of like you know those dodgy deals that used to go on in like the nineties, you know the eighties and nineties, where um, labels kind of um, took advantage of people's ignorance. You know, people didn't understand these things, so that means that people didn't know what to protect. Mm. So you know, do you have some mad deals where like the label would own your master? Where where the, where you where the rights to your masters have been assigned to the labels in like perpetuity, so like forever. Yeah, that that word is devilish. You see that in your contract, you have to allow that, bruv. Yeah, you, you have to allow that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get what I mean? So I mean, I would not. I I can't necessarily comment on Mace's case specifically because, mm. to be honest, I don't know. Even though we did report on it, but I don't actually know the exact ins and outs. 
obviously in terms of how his deal was structured, but I mean, what we can imagine is probably something like that, where he he doesn't have a stake in his masters or um, they have um, the label holds onto it for a ridiculous number of years. That's you know, because there's obviously, obviously, like I said, the label, the label's job is to exploit sound recordings. Yeah, they need to be able to have some control over your masters in, in, able, in order to do what they do. Of course. Yeah, in order to, perf to perform their job. The issue is whether you're licensing that for a certain period of time or whether you're assigning that for a certain period of time and, and that's where the complexities come, come into play. But people got to stay working these streets, man. Yeah, and we have a lot of, like, we have, like I said, we have a lot of conversations about this and we have a lot of resources online. And one thing that I try and do is um, I, I try and put it in simple English, like simple, basic English, where the, the average, um, you know, artist who's, you know, producing a mixtape from his bedroom can read that and understand what will govern his career or understand what certain terms mean and how to interpret them and why they're important and why to look out for certain wording. So we do it in a way that's very digestible. We love to see it well. People, I'm going to put the link to Young Music Boss inside my description of this podcast. Um, I'm not sure if there's anything else to touch. Just now you've been a maverick coming with real gist that you've made this... I thought I had a decent understanding. Now I just realised I actually don't know nothing about nothing. And this stuff is way more complex than I thought. God of Abraham. But you explained, <laughs> <laughs> but you explained it so, so, so well. Is there anything you, you else anything else you'd like to plug before you go about your, your business on this fine evening? Not really. Just www.youngmusicboss.com or at youngmusicboss on Instagram. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. People, make sure you check out Young Music youngmusicboss.com and the insta page especially if you have friends in music um definitely definitely because you do not want your people them being finessed out their socks because trust and believe if people can they will um do you want people to find you on a personal tip or you want to stay you know after in the shadows oh uh, yeah you can find me on diamond lane london as well at diamond lane london Okay, so that's on the IG or on Twitter or both? Yeah, on IG. Okay, okay, cool. I'm not really that active on Twitter anymore. Nah. Mr. 10K, Mr. 10K Plus. Okay, I'm definitely going to cut it out. How dare you try to <laughs> draw me out like that? No, but Twitter's cap anyway. Insta's where it's at, man. Just go there. You see memes. You see people taking pictures of, I don't know, plants and holidays and shit. It's good vibes on Twitter. <laughs> on, on Insta. On, on Twitter, it's just hella debauchery. And it's so vibes. toxic. Yeah. It's just so toxic. Uh, you know? It's, yeah. It's the actual worst. But it's funny at the same time, so... It's a bit of an abusive relationship, no cap. But yeah. <laughs> but just thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't say thank you enough. People, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, Apple, all the streaming platforms that we spoke about before. And until next week, peace and blessings. Sports Social Podcast Network.